in a moment, Tracy's going to come and speak to us. Um, but I'm going to read some, some words of scripture. Um, does everyone who needs a Bible have a Bible? Well, let's put it the other way around. Put your hand up if you'd like a Bible and you don't have one. Okay. We're going to read from Romans chapter 14, which is found on page 1140. Read from verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tracy, do you want to come out and I'll just pray for you? We pray that you just come now and fill Tracy with your Holy Spirit. Speak through her and open our hearts and minds to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, over to you, Tracy. Well, good evening, everybody. Some of you will know that um, we have uh, a young dog, about a year old, called Monty, and um, he is a cockapoo, uh, which is a cross between a cocker spaniel and a poodle. And it's our first dog, and when we got him, we discovered that there was a website, um, a Facebook page, called the Cockapoo Owners Forum. And so we decided to join that. And the aim of this page is to provide support and advice and um, a place, really, where where people that have got everything in common with their dog, they all love their dog, they all own a cockapoo and they all love their dog, can come and share experiences and ask for advice. And we found this page very, very helpful at times. We've asked questions about aspects of training. But um, what I've noticed after having been on the page for nearly a year now is that where people are coming from different um, ideas about feeding their dog, different ideas about use of crates with training, um, different ideas about training, is that where something has been designed to be supportive has sometimes turned into a place of judgment and criticism and even caused people to be wounded and hurt and feel very judged and criticised to the extent that people have even left the page amidst a a lot of vitriol and wounding. Am I painting any pictures here of of, um, what we might recognise in the church, in the early church, but also in our churches down down the ages? I I asked God for an example as I was preparing and that was the one he gave me. And I did smile to myself because I find I have to go through and and weigh everything, weigh the advice and and see where people are coming from uh, and see if it is things to take on board or whether it's things that are literally matters of opinion. In our home group this week, we've been uh, looking at uh, the early church, we've been looking at Acts and uh, Paul's first missionary journey. And um, in, Acts, in Acts 15, we were looking very much at um, the early church balancing the different new Christians that were there, the, um, the Jewish Christians who came from a background of the law, the law of circumcision, the law of um, honouring and celebrating certain feast days. And the Gentile the new Gentile Christians, of course, had, had none of these traditions, and some of them even came from pagan backgrounds where they would um, sacrifice and offer food to idols. And at the first church council, the apostles Peter and James had to face these issues head on 
to bring people together for the sake of unity. And um, in this letter, uh, the letter to the Romans, Paul is writing to, again, to the, to the young church, and it's a church that he's never, as, as yet, not visited. And the first part of the letter is very much talking about what we are to believe, laying that foundation of the gospel. And then the later part of the letter, which includes our passage tonight, is very much on how to behave. And Paul is always looking to unite and to build up the church. And just before our passage, Paul is talking about love. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. And in 1 Corinthians, in that famous chapter, uh, talking about love, against um, love, there is no argument that man can bring. And Paul, in this uh, passage, acknowledges that there will be disputes in the church. There will be differences of opinion. And how should we work through them? These verses are really highlighting on how God has accepted everybody. All believers are accepted. All believers have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're all free to come to him, regardless of our level of faith. And we're not to judge and criticise others who have different opinions. And also to consider how our choices may affect and even derail others who are not as strong in their faith as we may be. And as I was reading more, I had a real sense that God was talking about transformation, that each person, each believer, wherever they are in their faith, they're on a journey. They're on a journey of transformation with God. And it's not for us to try and do God's work for him. In one, one more modern translation, it says, we're not to out-God God. He's got everything in control. We're to leave batters of opinion to people's consciences. And otherwise, there could be consequences. There's some very strong words used in, um, in some of these translations. Um, in, this, in this one, um, verse 15, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And um, in some it says ruin. So that's, that's quite a sobering thought, isn't it, that by, by our actions we could destroy someone or ruin them. We're told not to put stumbling blocks or obstacles in another believer's way. And to be firm in our faith, because if we're coming from a position of confidence in our faith, then it's much easier to adjust to others from a place of strength and help to build them up instead of knocking them down. Consider Paul's journey of transformation. I'm always amazed to think of where Paul was. Um, he writes in Philippians 3, Philippians 3, he gives a catalogue of where he's come from. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's a Pharisee. He is blameless in, under the law, righteous under the law. Uh, everything that was supposed to happen to him 
according to the law, happened. He was circumcised when he was supposed to be. Uh, he, was, he was a perfect Pharisee under the law. But he considered all of those things to be rubbish when he came to know Christ. Consid- compared to knowing Christ, those things were completely unimportant to him. What a transformation of a man's life and how he went on to transform the lives of others, so many others down the ages, both in his lifetime and and ever since. Through his words, so many have come to know Jesus better and to be able to love others better. And he practiced what he preached. We read in... in, um, In verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. So he has had that revelation himself from the Lord Jesus, that those foods that previously were unclean are now fine. But he practices what he preaches. In in, in not uh, allowing someone else to stumble by his actions, in 1 Corinthians 8:13 he says therefore if what i eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin i will never eat meat again so that i will not cause them to fall now, that's a big sacrifice to make isn't it a very big sacrifice to make i'll never eat meat again even though i believe that it's fine if it's going to cause somebody else to fall i'll never eat it again And of course, all of these things that Paul is speaking about is relevant for the churches down the ages. Not only, uh, there's not only been differences between denominations, but differences within the the individual churches themselves. And I was reminded as I was preparing of, um, I love the Anne of Green Gables series, and um, I quite often reread it. Um, and um, there's a, one of the later books, uh, which I think is set in the very early part of the 19th century, where one of Anne's friends, Miss Cornelia, is a Presbyterian, and she will not associate with Methodists. She talks about Methodists as if literally they were the devil incarnate. She has not a, not a decent word to say about them, and she feels that it's quite, quite proper to talk about Methodists in this really, really derogatory, critical and judging way. And that really, I was really reminded of that as I was preparing. And of course, here at St Matthew's, we are almost like that example of the early church, where we have groups of people coming together from over the last two or three years from very, very different traditions and backgrounds. Um, when I first came here, there were a number of things that I'd never even seen before. I had never, never really seen robes. I, I didn't know that, um, that about the host, and I didn't know um, about um, the, tr- the tradition of standing for the gospel. And I'd, I'd come from a church which had communion once a month, and now we were having communion every week. And so these were traditions that I, I, I was getting used to, and... Obviously, we all have our, have our different opinions. We have our different levels of comfort about certain things. So how do we avoid division and enmity in these areas, which are really matters of opinion? 
I, I remember hearing somewhere, I think, we, I, think I was here, we were, in a, we were in a group discussion, and I remember somebody saying, there's a, there's a saying, who is not here because you are? And I thought, oh dear. <laughs> that wasn't directed at me personally, but just a question. Yeah, are we, can we, by our, by our behaviour, by our judging, by our criticising, in areas which really are matters of opinion, can we be a stumbling block which actually cause somebody else to feel so uncomfortable that they actually, have, actually leave the church? So it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? I find this incredibly challenging, this passage. Uh, one of the most challenging passages, I think, that, I've, that I have ever um, had to prepare. But I really take heart from the last two verses in this, uh, in this uh, section. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone... Anyone, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. That's in the word of God and it says anyone. Anyone who places righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit at the centre of what he is concerned with will be pleasing to God and receive human approval. So I find that enormously encouraging. So how do we do it? Again, as I was preparing, I really felt like the word freedom coming from a place of freedom, of knowing that we are free, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we have freedom by faith, by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. Faith that he has forgiven us, faith that we are set free, faith that we are in a relationship with God, we have the Holy Spirit living in us with power to transform us and to guide us and to heal us. Paul knew this. He um, had some amazing um, words in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, talking about freedom. 1 Corinthians 9:19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Wow. That is amazing, isn't it? From a place of freedom. So everything we do, we can do from a place of freedom. I think that must have taken a lot of prayer and a lot of revelation from God 
to have lived that way. And there's a sense that we have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, just as I was leaving, I clicked on Facebook and I saw um, somebody had, had um, shared a post from the U2 lead singer, Bono. I'm sure people have got various opinions about Bono, but he is a Christian and he wrote, religion is what you're left with when the Holy Spirit has left the building. I thought, yeah, <laughs> that's about right, isn't it? All of those things that the early church and that we ourselves can wrestle with, a lot of those things are religion. And the Holy Spirit wants to take over the building. And um, Adam was talking very much this week as he was preparing the, the worship about stripped back, the service being stripped back. And I noticed in some of the songs, we had that phrase coming up again and again, when the music fades, all is stripped away. And then there was some, in one of the songs, Lord, strip it all away till only you remain. And I felt God say, cut it off. Stephen, in, um, just before he was stoned in Acts, uh, I think it's Acts, uh, yeah, Acts 7 and verse 51. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And I felt God was really saying, let the Holy Spirit have full reign to cut off and keep cutting off everything that does not come from God. Judgment, criticism, pride, all of those things that can lead us to um, to have those unfortunate attitudes towards our brothers and sisters. It's like constant heart surgery to keep his righteousness, his peace and his joy, those things that Paul spoke of, flowing, transforming our relationships. It's only that that is going to transform our hearts. The physical act of circumcision actually proved nothing. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness and the circumcision came after as a seal. That physical act that so many went on to do afterwards didn't say anything about the condition of their hearts. And But when we have that internal circumcision of the heart, it cannot help but transform everything. If we keep cutting off, allowing the Holy Spirit to cut off everything which gets in the way of unity and building up our brothers and sisters, then that will flow. And it will demonstrate the love. It will demonstrate uh, the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit like nothing else. Our motives are so important. There's a little gem um, which I found in um, 1 Corinthians 8.1. Paul is just a master of of the little gem. And um, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. 
we can think we know so much and long, love to display what we know and how spiritual we are and what we know of the Bible and how holy we are and puff ourselves up. But love, it's love, love demonstrated through our actions, through our words that builds up people, builds them up um, when they're weak in faith, builds them up to seek greater intimacy with God. And Paul says, whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I treat, try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. What are our motives when we judge and when we criticise? That's really all I want to say, because I want to leave some time now for us to maybe ask God if there's any areas where we need a little bit of heart circumcision, a little bit of heart surgery. Is there a particular area where you really would like God to, to get out his little scalpel and, and cut, that, cut that off so that the righteousness of God in Christ can flow, so that the joy and the peace of the Lord can flow? Is there a particular area of opinion in the church where you really struggle with other people? I wonder if God wants to say anything to you about that, he wants to show you how to how to handle that in love. It wants to show you if, if maybe you need to do something differently. So I'm going to ask the band if they would play um, Purify My Heart. And we're going to play it through once, just the band, and just going to ask you to just think about those, those questions. Is there any area of heart surgery? Are there any areas of difficulty that you struggle with? And then, then, we'll, sing, then we'll sing the song again all together before we continue with the service. Thank you, Lord. Amen.